Have you ever realized what a valuable opportunity it is to hire or be hired for an athletic training position? Even when you're being fired, you have a fantastic opportunity to provide valuable feedback. All of that and more on today's podcast. Smart tools are the next generation of IASTM tools on the market today and a leading manual therapy education company. Their medical grade stainless steel tools are of superior craftsmanship compared to competitors, but at a much more affordable price. When they started this company, they wanted to make the previously unaffordable affordable, and they've done just that. Visit them at smarttoolsplus.com. Hello, and thank you for joining us on The Business Advantage. I am Alicia M. Pennington, your host and owner of Advantage Athletic Training. Today, we're going to be talking about hiring and firing. We started a new segment on the podcast where we encourage our listeners to share what they are doing on a daily basis, and we will reply, retweet, or promote the post if hashtag that's business. We want to show you how so much of what we do on an everyday basis has business intertwined with it. I'm hoping that after listening to today's podcast, you'll share some of your stories of hiring and firing and use that hashtag so that we can understand the situations that you've gone through. Many of us find ourselves in positions where we are asked to hire or fire fellow athletic trainers much more quickly in our careers than probably originally anticipated. Um, This can be an uncomfortable situation if you don't have any prior knowledge of these topics. You know, typically there would be an HR department or representative who handles this, but oftentimes with an athletic trainer, because it's such a specialized skill and trait and profession, we are asked to be a part of that hiring or firing process. We just kind of wanted to talk about that today to become familiar with it. Some of you may have been asked while you were still students in your athletic training program to sit on the panel of interviewing incoming athletic training students for your program. This is a great first introduction to what it's like to be on the other side of the table, the type of questions that you would ask and things that you look for in a potential candidate that you want representing the program that you now feel so proudly to come from. If you've had that experience, keep that in mind as we're talking through the things today. Um, And if you haven't had that experience, then what we're talking about will be really valuable for you should you find yourself in this position. Understanding what to look for in hiring somebody could pay dividends in your daily life especially if that person is going to be working alongside you. As well, knowing what to do when needing to fire somebody saves you a potential lawsuit and a lot of headaches. So because the focus of our undergraduate or graduate 
uh, education is on the technical skills of what it requires to be an athletic trainer, not necessarily human resources, HR, or business skills. It's important to understand how these decision-making opportunities affect us and our profession. Keep in mind that your position on a hiring or firing board or panel is to bring expertise. Focus on the athletic training specific skills that would be needed. Though also keep in mind that you are not better than or above the athletic trainer who is seeking this position. This is a peer of yours, and regardless of their skill level, we should protect every athletic trainer who interviews with outsiders in an effort to bolster our profession. If you are sitting alongside an athletic director, maybe a principal or an administrator, an HR manager, it is your responsibility to try to shine every athletic training candidate's strengths to them. Naturally, one candidate will stand out from the rest, but cutting down another professional in front of others just generally does not bode well for our profession. Let's kind of jump into the hiring aspect of another individual. So this is going to be if you're in a position where you are asked to hire or to develop a position for another athletic trainer. I think the number one thing is developing a well thought out job description. I'm sure we've all found ourselves on NATA's career center or other job boards and the job descriptions are just lame. They don't give you very much detail. They're very generic and Though your HR department will probably have requirements of what the position has to read or what it has to say, do your due diligence to determine what needs actually should be in there. Consider things such as the daily responsibilities of that athletic trainer. What will their sport assignments or clinical rotations look like? What is the length of the contract? Are we looking at a temporary or a 10-month, 11-month, 12-month, an ongoing contract? A lot of them are lacking details about salary. You are likely to get more candidates if at the very least you put a range in there. It could be lower than you would be expecting to offer and also a little bit higher. But giving those candidates some kind of idea of what they would be looking at for compensation, including any benefits, uh, really, I think, goes a little bit further in trying to appeal to more people and garner uh, more candidates out of your job posting. Be sure to include in there anything like you'll pay for NATA dues or CEUs or liability insurance, and then also be very distinct in uh, what that candidate is going to need to have in order to even be considered. For example, with Advantage, we won't even look at an athletic training 
application if they haven't uploaded a CPR card that isn't expired. They have some indication of being certified, so either they've uploaded their BOC card or they've given us their BOC number, and that they carry liability insurance. Those are absolute musts for us to even move on in the application process. So putting things like that out there up front informs the candidate that their application will be incomplete and therefore probably not considered until they have certain documents or requirements that are met. As well, when you do that, you save yourself work and headache on the back end because let's say there's a candidate who submits their resume but then doesn't have any of the follow-up required documentation and you think that they would be a really good candidate, but then you have to go and kind of track them down and, you know, try to collect all of this on the back end. It just creates more work for yourself. So go ahead and include all of what is needed up front. And that way your application and interviewing and the entire process will go a lot more smoothly. I figured I would go ahead and jump over to the NATA Career Center to see some of the stuff that they had posted and try to give you guys real examples of what I'm talking about with great job postings and maybe not so great. My first glance here, one of the top positions that uh, pops up and I just didn't put any filters on and just said all positions, all states, the title of it is fitness coordinator slash director. And just, you know, the very beginning parts of it, uh, the job description say the strength and conditioning director of da 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 and it continues on. As an athletic trainer, I understand some people are more inclined to go on the strength or fitness side of things, but I really don't think that this job title, fitness director slash coordinator, or just the very first sentence of this job description, the strength and conditioning director of blank organization would be responsible for structuring the club's entire junior tennis and adult fitness programs. It makes me wonder, do they even know what an athletic trainer is? Are they actually looking for a personal trainer or someone that's more on the fitness side of things? As I scroll down a little bit, uh, another one of the positions that is being marketed uh, and has kind of two tabs on it, both preferred and spotlight. You know, if I'm honest, I haven't really been on this career center in a while, so I'm not exactly sure what these tabs mean. But this job title is athletic trainer slash physical therapist. Now, again, I do understand that there are athletic trainers out there who do hold dual credentials. But I guess I just wish that when these people were posting the job, they understood the most likely audience that would be looking over this and kind of played it to them. Maybe I'm being small-minded and and maybe this is their way of playing to uh, those traits. Maybe they are ideally looking for that person who is an athletic trainer and By putting physical therapist on there, they're looking for people that want the kind of more clinical side or patient rehabilitation side of things. I guess that's very possible. So I went ahead and clicked on one of these 
uh, job descriptions, and it's actually pretty good. The job title is athletic trainer. It is for a position that is a physical therapy clinic based out of New York. The description isn't that verbose. Uh, just says we are seeking a full-time athletic trainer to join our dynamic orthopedic-based physical therapy team. The position would be dedicated athletic training services to an area high school balanced with clinical duties assisting in rehabilitation, wellness initiatives, and injury prevention. I like how they worded that, balanced with clinic duties. That's an interesting way of putting it. Anyways, our ATCs are involved clinically through high school outreach programs, local camps, and work with professional teams such as the New York Cosmos. I don't know who the New York Cosmos are. We offer comprehensive salary, medical benefits, 401k slash profit share program, continuing education stipend, and monthly staff slash physician in services. Additional paid coverage opportunities are available in the clinic and for sporting events. Requirements. New grads are encouraged to apply. NATA, BOC certified or eligible, CPR, AED certification. I think that's a fantastic way of putting in very few sentences what exactly they're looking for, what exactly the athletic trainer will be expected to do, and what exactly they are going to offer in compensation for that. Here's another one that kind of falls into the very general slash clearly an HR manager put this description together. First of all, there's uh, big bold letters at the top that says this is a contingent position. I have no idea what that means. Let me read the general summary to you. Works under the supervision of the lead athletic trainer and manager of performance enhancement. Their certified athletic trainer's primary job function is to provide athletic training services under the supervision of a physician, physician assistant, and physical therapist in a team environment consistent with qualifications, professional practices, and ethical standards. No duh. Their certified athletic trainer will work closely and coordinate sports programs with community health and wellness, outpatient rehab, and other hospital departments on providing services to designated schools, local organizations, and the community. I don't know if you're like me, but I have absolutely no idea what this position is going to require from me outside of being an athletic trainer and abiding by the law. It goes on to give qualifications, which are a bachelor's degree from an approved university, uh, licensure, six months experience, and then it bullet points several different skills that have in my opinion, most definitely been laid out from an HR perspective. So it'll say interpersonal skills, ability to communicate clearly using both written and spoken methods and demonstrate a professional image and attitude for patients, families, clients, coworkers, and others. Ability to demonstrate and use medical equipment, fitness related equipment, and athletic training equipment and supplies should be able to perform basic fitness and medical assessments within the scope of practice. Um, yeah, that's sort of what our degree includes. Thank you. Essential physical requirements, ability to use all exercise equipment in fitness area and lift 45 to 60 pounds occasionally. I would definitely ask about that in my interview. How frequent is occasionally? Analytical skills necessary for continuous public contact. No idea what that means. And of course, most importantly, ability to see, hear, and speak clearly is required. So, if you have any idea what that job entails outside of the obvious, 
good for you. Otherwise, I would probably deem this as not the greatest job posting. Once you've started collecting resumes, start looking over them and determine what you would want or like out of a coworker, assuming that this is a position of someone that you would be working alongside. If it's a position where you're hiring someone to do work for you or on your behalf, like we do with Advantage, or if you're looking to hire somebody that's that's going to be working uh, in a maybe another facility that you don't work in, just consider what would be a best fit for what is needed. Understanding the client's needs. So for us, the, the needs of the tournament or the athletic facility that they're going to be working in, or for you, whatever your principal or administration or coaches, things like that, try to get a, an understanding of what they would want out of an athletic trainer and consider those things when you're looking through the resumes. An example of that could be when you're looking over a resume, are you looking for someone that has a diverse background? Have they done a lot of different contract work? They kind of jump around, they're they're sort of more of the professional freelance type. Or do you, are you looking for someone that has been in a stable position for several seasons or years, has developed um, a kind of niche specialty in maybe a specific sport or a specific type of um, work? Maybe it's you know overhead sports specialty or equipment intensive specialty, anything like that. What are you looking for? Also, is there someone that you have worked with before or came recommended, perhaps they can get put on the top of the pile because you just know kind of off the bat that they're probably going to be a better fit. If you have experience in the position that you're hiring for, it's going to go a lot further. So for example, I look for diversification on a resume. I want to see that people can show up, do a weekend job and pop out of there. Usually, not always, people that have been in a position for several years may not have the level of comfort with speaking with coaches or just kind of popping into a van and popping back out. Um, So just understanding what the needs of your position will require will save you from interviewing maybe candidates that aren't a good fit or having to sift through too many resumes or sit through too many interviews only to realize, you know, none of these are really good fits. So then when conducting interviews, you should know what you're trying to accomplish prior to going into the interview. Obviously, we are all looking for someone who would embody everything that we need out of that position. But what exactly does that mean to you? Does that mean that they work without complaining? Does that mean that they are a good team player and they communicate well? Know what this person will be expected to do and express those expectations so that you can determine if they will be able to meet them or not. Um, Having some questions prepared ahead of time is usually a good idea. Knowing your goals or the goals of the organization that you're hiring for is a good place to start asking questions from. 
So for example, what are your career goals or why did you apply for this position? Um, you know, what is it about our organization that attracted you? Trying to dig a little bit deeper than surface level of, um, have you dealt with a difficult coach before? Can you tape an ankle? How's your time management skills? Things like that. Try to understand who they are as a person and how they will be to work with. Also know that during an interview process, the candidates should be asking questions as well. It's important that they determine that this is a a good fit for them as you feel that they would be a good fit for you. Allow them the opportunity to ask questions or even allow dialogue to be exchanged, just kind of going back and forth. Personally, I feel that some of the best interviews are more like a conversation as opposed to just kind of directing questions at each other. I think that if uh, conversation can kind of flow freely, that's usually a good indication that you guys would be able to work well together. If you're in a specialized area of athletic training like we are with contract work, I think it's important to be upfront about how it differs from a traditional position and see if the candidate understands what that means. For example, with us, all of our athletic trainers work as independent contractors. I feel very much responsible for educating them about what this means and how it is different from being a W-2 employee. Your position may not be a good fit for everyone, just as ours aren't, but that allows an opportunity to find those really special athletic trainers who buy into what you're doing and want to be a part of it. So take the time to find those people that actually are going to be a good fit. And I guarantee that you'll be so much happier in the end with those decisions. What if you're the one who is looking to be hired? Well, a lot of these components apply to you as well. Before you start looking for a job, you should have an idea of what you want out of work. There's always the possibility that you may come across something that you hadn't previously considered, but having a general idea of what you want to do and what you want to get out of it is a really good starting place. Then when searching for work opportunities, look for what sets one listing apart from the others. Like the things that we have already mentioned in doing the hiring, seek out those special details that kind of speak to you. Maybe that is a particular job setting, or maybe it's the mission of the company. Uh, Maybe it's a compensation package. Maybe it's the, the work hours. Maybe it's you know, four 10 hour uh, shifts and three days off, things like that, that, you know, maybe are a better fit for you. And then in applying for a position, prepare your cover letter and resume in a way that most accurately represents you, but also kind of sets you apart from other resumes that they will receive. It's pretty safe to assume that if this job is on some kind of national board and it has attracted your attention, it will likely attract many, many more. So put things in your resume or design it in a way that sets you apart, that catches an eye, you know, things like that. I I won't get into 
too many details about resumes because I could honestly spend an entire podcast just talking about them. But just kind of common rule of thumb, try to keep it to two pages, find unique aspects about each of the positions that you held to describe the work that you did. Every single position shouldn't just be 10 to 20 bullet points of every single task that you had. Find something that was unique about that position in what you did and highlight that in your resume. So then when you're preparing for an interview, be sure that you've done some research on the organization and that you have questions prepared for when you go in. Asking things like, is there management or administrative support of this position? Or what has been the previous turnover in athletic trainers? Those two questions specifically saved me what I believe would have been uh, a very poor experience in my career. Just to kind of go off on a tangent here for a minute, I was interviewing for a position uh, that was available at a top 25 Division I university. And the position was with one of their most elite programs. This team is nationally known. They've won several championships in, in recent years. So, you know, on paper, it's kind of everything that a a uh, newly graduated from masters hungry athletic trainer would want but when i asked the questions of is there support for this position and what has been the previous turnover i found out that they have had a new athletic trainer every single year for almost 10 years straight that's a red flag That's something that you should dig into. You should try to find out more details. And so I did. Asking more questions opened up stories about how unwell the coach treated the athletic trainer. Essentially, they they weren't seen as part of the team. They were sort of uh, discarded. Um, They weren't Uh, you know, normally told about schedule changes or um, things of that matter. They're very long days because of the way that the schedule is set up where they had lifting in the mornings and then they would do treatment and then a couple hour break and then they would have practice, which was usually several, several hours long and then another set of treatments. So, you know, it was typically a 10 to 12 hour day for the athletic trainer. And so, you know, actually, despite being offered this position that was accompanied with a $50,000 plus salary, I actually turned it down. I knew that I didn't want to put myself in a position like that. And to be honest, I didn't want to be part of that statistic. I felt like I was going to be chewed up and spit out. You know, I just kind of respected myself more than that. So that is honestly one of the most difficult decisions I've had to make in my professional career. I'm thankful that that's one of my most difficult. Um, But, you know, I really just didn't think that putting myself through that would be worth it. And I was so thankful that I had asked those questions up front because I really think that I would have been blindsided by this if I hadn't. Some of the best advice that 
I can give you about interviewing is pay attention to the feeling that you get. What is your gut telling you about this? Are you trying to rationalize the different aspects of this position or is it a pretty easy yes? If you can't very quickly and easily come to a yes, this probably isn't the best position for you. Of course, depending on the employment situation that you're in, you may need to take work even if it is just offered to you. But in an ideal world, the feeling that you get from interviewing should be the only factor that you have to consider when accepting or thinking about accepting a potential position. You know, the idea of listening to your gut is actually scientifically proven. In Simon Sinek's Start With Why, it's a book, also a uh, YouTube and a TED Talk, he describes the different areas of the brain that are responsible for decision-making. So when it just feels good or your gut is saying yes, it's because it resonates in the limbic brain, which is where feelings occur. Whereas language and rationalization occur in a different area of the brain. So this is why it's difficult to describe how or why we love someone or something because it's a feeling, not a language. I shared with you one of uh, the most difficult decisions that I had to make in my career. So I kind of want to partner that with uh, one of the best decisions that I've made, which was accepting my graduate assistantship at Cal State Fullerton. This decision came as a result of some fantastic direction that I was given from my professor, Michelle Garber, at Florida State when I was in my undergrad. She gave all of us five criteria to help us decide what would be a best fit for a graduate assistant. I continued to use these criteria with my students once I became a graduate assistant. And so I want to share these with you in hopes that they can help you in your next decision-making position. So uh, number one is location. What part of the country do you want to work in? Number two, division. Do you have a preference of working with high school or Division I, NAIA, Division III, things like that? Major, was there a specific topic that we wanted to study in grad school? Number four, sport. Did we have our heart set on working a particular sport? And last but certainly not least, money. How much financial assistance would we require to complete a master's degree? So we were instructed to rank these according to what was most important to us. For me, my top one was major. I knew that I wanted to study sports psychology for my master's degree. Off the bat, that limited me to five schools in the country that offered athletic training graduate assistantships and allowed that athletic trainer to study sports psych. In case you're curious, those five schools were West Virginia, 
Arizona State, Oregon, Cal State Fullerton, and Hawaii. So then my second priority was location. I wanted to come back to the West Coast. In case you aren't already aware, I was uh, raised in California my whole life. I went out to Florida State for my undergrad, so wanted to kind of find my way back out here. Thankfully, that only eliminated one option, West Virginia. So I was indifferent about the sport that I worked and the division of the school, but all of these universities happened to be Division I, which I was fine with, and as a result of them being Division I programs, they all offered the money that would have been necessary for me to get my master's, which was the tuition was paid for and then a monthly stipend so that I could have a place to live and kind of eat a little bit. I applied to the remaining four schools. I never got a call back from Oregon or ASU, Arizona State. I did interview with Hawaii and was offered the position, but I actually turned it down because I had graduated in December and this position started in January. And to get myself from Florida to Hawaii in less than a month was just chaos and uh, too much to ask of myself. So I actually ended up interviewing at Cal State Fullerton and it ended up being the answer for me. I am so thankful that I chose it. It has uh, really changed the path of my career. So all of that to say that if you kind of have some criteria and an idea of what you want going into the position, you're much more likely to get out of it what it is that you want. Advantage has teamed up with SoCal Youth Rugby to provide athletic trainers at all matches from Orange County to San Luis Obispo. If you are in Orange County, Los Angeles County, San Bernardino, Santa Barbara, or San Luis Obispo areas and looking for contract work on the weekends, visit our website, theadvantage.com, for more info and to apply. Moving forward now to firing, which isn't as fun to talk about as hiring, but still absolutely necessary. If you have found yourself in a position where you are asked to make firing decisions, you need to be very careful. In most cases, this is not a decision that should be made wholly by the athletic trainer. However, you know, depending on the position that you hold within your organization, especially if you're a business owner like myself, you may need to make those decisions. If that's the case, here's some things that you should keep in mind. It is very important to have documentation. You can't fire somebody for no reason. And depending on the structure of your organization, there may be a like three strikes type of rule where several documented incidents must be on file before uh, termination can be considered. The first time that there is some kind of high-level incident with the other person, it should be reported to human resources. They should then determine uh, the next necessary steps 
and perhaps share that with you. But regardless of what they decide to do, it's your responsibility to report those incidents. If you're in a position where, for example, you feel like you're being harassed or threatened, be sure to keep all records of communication that prove this. You know, unfortunately, word of mouth isn't always good enough. So having a text message or an email or another witness to verify what was being said or the um, exchange and conversation goes a little bit further in proving that you don't necessarily just kind of have it out for this person, but they actually are doing things that are inappropriate. As well, it is important to know the laws. Is that person an independent contractor, an employee, or under some other type of contract? What are the employment laws of your state? And how or why can you let go of someone? You should only have to know this information if you will be part of the decision-making process, like if you're in an administrative position or a business owner. Otherwise, this should be information that your HR manager or department takes care of. We specifically have an HR manager that um, takes care of most of these situations. Being the business owner and the person who our athletic trainers interact with on a more daily basis, I am part of that decision making. But at the end of the day, I rely on someone who is an expert In these situations, I don't try to determine those situations for myself. Be sure to delineate. Is the person not doing their job or is it just not a good fit in personalities? Someone being in breach of their contract where ethically or professionally is very different then you just not getting along with them or not really liking the way that they do things. Rarely can someone get fired simply because you just don't work well together. The exception to this is when those indifferences may lead to behavior that is deemed reportable. So perhaps they make a remark to you that is inappropriate or they start to act or do things in a way um, that are in conflict of their contract, those then can be uh, reported and uh, documented incidences that may lead to them being let go. Speak to your supervisor or your HR representative to discuss the options that are available. You know, your HR manager is supposed to be there to protect and represent you. So conversations are supposed to be confidential and kept on record. You know, this is kind of always a fail safe. If you are unsure about what's going on or the behavior that is uh, happening, just kind of err on the side of caution and run it by that HR representative. They are oftentimes 
easy people to talk to and full of really valuable information. So, you know, try to take advantage of the open door policy that they likely have and just say, Hey, you know, I've kind of been struggling with this and working with, uh, Joe or Sarah or whoever it is. And, um, you know, I wanted to kind of run it by you to see what your thoughts were on how we could manage it. Or, um, if there's, if there's something further that needs to be done about it. Firing or letting go of somebody is often a very difficult decision and process to go through. So make sure that you recruit other people within your organization to assist you in that decision. Like I've already said, this shouldn't be something that you have to take on independently. It should be a developed decision, not one that is made rashly or emotionally and be sure that you're on the legal side of things in understanding um, that you'll be putting somebody out of work. This isn't a decision uh, that should be made lightly or excitedly or um, just out of uh, distaste or hatred for another person. So then if you find yourself in that position of being fired or let go, know your rights and know what is owed to you. Look over the signed contract that you have to determine what conditions you can be let go under. Also know the rights of the state that you live in. You can find these on your state's government site or on the Department of Labor website. If you were an employee of an organization, it is likely that you qualify for unemployment benefits if you are fired. This is something that you can kind of fall back on should you need to and and not be able to find employment right away. You can find more information about that on the edd.gov website. And if you do find yourself out of work, take some time to reflect on why you feel like you ended up here. What are some of the events that led up to the firing and how could the outcome have been changed? Perhaps there were egos that were involved on one side or the other and it just kind of built up and and led to a situation that was probably mostly unfortunate to you. You know, think about what is in your control and how can you better the outcome for future opportunities? And finally, this kind of brings us full circle. Start to prepare yourself for looking for work again. Understand that you will likely need to answer in your next interviews why you were let go of your last position, but circle back to the beginning of the podcast and freshen back up on the types of things that you should be looking for in a new position and what you think that you would be a best fit for. The next time you find yourself in a hiring or firing position, ask yourself, how can you take this opportunity to better yourself as a professional and for the profession. What steps can you take to improve the position for the next person coming in or make the transition out for someone else the best that it can be? Both of these positions allow you an excellent opportunity to provide feedback, so take that seriously and consider what you can provide. Also, 
Always remember that when it comes to peer athletic trainers, we should be working collectively to bolster each other up. Cutting down a colleague does very little for the overall direction of our profession. Be sure to keep in mind that firing one athletic trainer does not simply create an opening for another. Every AT out of work puts us at risk of losing a professional to our profession. Be empathetic to others' situations and try to do what is best for everyone. If you're liking what you're hearing in our podcasts, please subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud and share with other athletic trainers and leave comments on our social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Advantage. If you have questions regarding what we've spoken about here, use the hashtag Q and AT. And don't forget to share your experiences of hiring and firing with us using the hashtag that's business. Thank you to Mr. Logistics who created the sound you've heard throughout this podcast. Thank you for listening. On our next podcast, we will be discussing the meaning of work.